All right. Well, I want to welcome you to week two. Everybody say week two. Week two. Of our kind of, I want to say brand new series, but we actually started last week called Asking for a Friend. Asking for a Friend. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 1, verse 15. I want to use Philippians as sort of like the baseline, like the foundation to our conversation today. We're talking about uh, some things that can be a little bit challenging, to be honest. And I don't know if I'm actually the best person to talk on some of these uh, topics, but we're going to give it our best shot. So you're turning to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 15. We'll read through all the way to verse 20. Now, if you're just stepping in for the first time or you tune in online and you're like, okay, what's this series about? Let me tell you what asking for a friend is about, okay? Like, we have three primary goals during this series, okay? Number one, the first thing that we want to make sure that we do is we want to cultivate hum open, humble, and honest conversations. Let me say that again, okay? We want to cultivate open, would you read that second word? Humble and honest conversations, okay? So a lot of times, some of these topics, man, they can get heated, and if we're not careful, pride can get in, in the way, and then before you know it, it's, it's, a, it's a battle of, of, of basically two people's prides or a groups of people, you know, just coming at a, an angle. And so we don't want to do that. We want to cultivate open, humble, and honest conversations. Number two, we want to encourage our friends to ask the hard questions. So often in church, man, you're looked down upon if you ask a question that's difficult. And it's like, I don't know if it's shame or I don't know if it's the way the enemy works, but often one of the things that I say is churches are notorious, notorious for answering the questions that nobody's asking. And so we don't want to be your average church. We want to be a little bit different. And so if there are questions that you have, like real questions that you're dealing with, please Text us, let us know. We want to give those questions some consideration, take time to think about them, and hopefully give you an answer that's worth your time. So we want to cultivate open, humble, and honest conversations. We want to encourage our friends to ask the difficult questions. This is a series, I believe, that you can use as leverage to invite friends. I don't think that it can get any more practical than this. And so use the power of social media. Use those, those invite cards that we hand out all the time. Like invite someone to join you the next, the next few weeks. And I really believe that you, we, you can add, add a lot of value to people during this time. And then the last point, probably most important point of all of them, is we want to help people feel less alone. We want to help people feel less alone. Now, let me say this. This is really important, okay? As you're having conversations in your life groups, in, you know, in church, wherever, wherever you're having some of these conversations, some of these questions may come up, right? I want you to, I want you to know this, okay? Our, our goal is not to have the final say. You understand? Our goal is not to have the final say say. And for some of this, you know, you may look at the, some of the, the answers that I'm going to give you, and you may, like, you may be like, ah, I'm not really sure that I agree with you, okay? In fact, the topic that we're talking today, 
I know that some of you, if, if we were just having lunch and we were just having a conversation, I know some of you, you're gonna look at me and it's like, Pastor Alex, I respect you. I appreciate you bringing the message, but I'm not really sure that I'm on the same page with you. And so you have to, you have to know that as a church, we, number one, may not always have all the questions. Number two, you may not always agree with me. And then number three, I think it's beneficial when a group of people come together, like-minded faith, and they begin to seek God. They begin to search the scriptures. And I think that, I think that there is a huge benefit that can come out of conversations, and we can learn from one another. And so as you're having conversations throughout the series, if you deal with, some, with a question or whatever, and you, you kind of state your opinion, the other person states their opinion, and it's a different opinion, it is okay, all right? So everybody good? You guys ready to get into God's Word today? Give me a, oh yes, I'm ready. There we go, that's good. That's what, I'm, that's what I was looking for. All right, if you want to text any of the questions, here's our number, it's in front of your chairs, um, 903-592-8357. Any question, they're all 100% confidential. This is not something that's going to a bunch of people. These questions are coming to me, so please feel safe that you can ask whatever it is that comes to mind. Okay, fair enough? And uh, probably whatever you ask today or anytime during the series, I'm not gonna answer it right away, like right now. You know, it's not like I'm getting the questions on my iPad or anything because I wanna take your questions and I really wanna think about them. I wanna give serious consideration to some of the things that matter to you. And so this is the reason why and it's also, it'll get you back to come back, okay? So we use it as a little bit of a hook. You ask a question today, maybe if you keep coming back, I will answer your questions, okay? All right, so you're in Philippians. Uh, we're gonna begin in verse 15. Before I get there, I wanna, I wanna read this quote to you, okay? It's from Doris Goodwin, but I want you to listen to it because I, I really think it, it helps, it sets the tone for our conversation today. Doris Goodwin says, Good leadership requires you to surround yourself with people of diverse perspectives who can disagree with you without fear of retaliation. Now, I, I read it really quick. Let me read it again. So if you want to, you can write it down or you can kind of um, soak it in what, what, what this verse is talking, what this uh, quote is talking about. Good leadership, Doris Goodwin says, good leadership requires us to surround ourselves with people of diverse perspectives who can disagree with you without the fear of retaliation. Okay, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Now today, we're talking about some really sensitive topics. Okay, these topics have divided churches in the past. These topics have, I believe, in many, many times have split up nations. I think they've divided our country. No, no doubt about it. Some of the topics that we're going to talk about today, they have, break, you know, they, they have the potential to break up a family. They have the potential to break up relationships, create chaos in, in, in your, um, if, if you talk with your coworkers. And so please understand that these are, these are really difficult conversations. Today, we're going to talk about abortion. 
Uh, I think politics will be next week, okay, uh, along with a set of other things. I was going to try to cram it in in today's message, but it's like, no, I can't do that to them. You know, two and a half hour message would not be good, okay? <laughs> so we'll tackle politics next week, okay? But today we're going we're gonna to talk about abortion. We're going to handle, we're going to talk about um, whether I can trust God's word, knowing that there are so many interpretations of God's word, okay? And we'll, I'll explain that in, in a minute. So Philippians chapter 1, verse 15, it's the foundation, okay, to, what, to our topic today. So this is Paul speaking, he's writing from prison. So listen to what he says to you and to me. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It's true that some are preaching out of, and you help me with the word that's underlined. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy. jealousy. And rivalry. Okay, so this is a, a statement that he's, he's making. This is true. Some people, when they preach, preach out of jealousy, rivalry. But others preach about Christ with pure motives. So he's kind of categorizing, he's saying there's a couple of groups here. Verse 16. This group that preach about Christ with pure, pure motives, they preach because they love me, for they know that I've been appointed to defend the good news. Verse 17. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. So he's making a, a fact here. There's people, when they preach, they don't, man, their motives are not in the right place. In fact, look at, look at it. It says, they preach with, let's say it together, with selfish ambition. So just because you're a pastor or a preacher or you're listening to someone does not automatically make you like you've arrived, okay? So there is, there is sinfulness up here, okay? Not up here like right now, okay? But there is, there is, and I'm not talking about just life point. The Bible says that we ought to test the spirits. In other words, not everybody that communicates God's word is necessarily their hearts are in the right place, not necessarily their motives and their intentions are always good. That's why it's up to you and it's up to me that when we're listening to God's word, we're constantly testing the spirit. Okay, does this match what God's word says? This is what he's saying. Does that, is that really in scripture? The authority is not Alex. The authority is God's word. And so... Paul says, they preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. Verse 18, key verse. But that doesn't matter. Now, it may confuse you at first. I was like, what do you mean that doesn't matter? Of course that matters, right? That's, when I read that, that's the first thought that I had. What do you mean it doesn't matter? What are you talking about? He says, but that doesn't matter. Watch this. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice. And just in case, so you don't think that, oh, like he messed up, he used the wrong word. Just like, oh man, what were you thinking? You, you know, you kind of trip up, like what, what are you talking about? Like he says it again. And I will continue to rejoice. Verse 19 and 20 will we'll be done. For I know that as you pray for me and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. Verse 20, for I fully expect and hope 
that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that for the next few minutes that you would untie my tongue. God, I pray that your thoughts um, would be uh, communicated to your people. Father, I ask that you would um, just help, help me to be clear. Um, help me to help us to engage in this conversation. And God, I just, uh, I just ask for clarity. I ask for uh, lots of love. Uh, as I share a topic that's, that's, that has caused so much division, hurt, and pain uh, in people's life. And so, God, I pray that if there's someone listening to this message, that they would know that, man, from my perspective, like, this is, this is not easy. Um, this is, um, I hesitate to even talk about a subject like this that's so challenging, um, especially in such a short period of time. But, Father, I pray for your grace that will be abundant that people would feel it, whether it's they're listening to this message right now, whether it's three weeks from today. God, wherever this message goes, I, I ask that your spirit, the spirit of love that you bring to us, God, would, would penetrate our minds and hearts, regardless of our past, regardless of the experiences of other churches and other religion and other things that we've dealt with, other Christians. God, we pray that your love would reign in this conversation. We pray all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. So the reason why I begin with those verses, and you can go back and, man, like reread them, like soak them in. The reason why I wanted them to be the foundation to our conversation today is because um, as a church, one of the things that I, I say often is we major on the majors and we minor on the minors. Okay, can we say that together? We major on the majors, minor on the minors. Ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. We major on the majors, we minor the minors. What does that mean, Pastor Alex? I'm not, I'm not sure, I'm not tracking with you. Well, there are some things, you know, some uh, doctrines, if you want to call it that, some teaching that are a big deal, okay? And so we want to focus, like the main things, that's what we're going to focus on. But there's a lot of other stuff that, man, they're, they're like, okay, I don't, we may disagree. I may not be with you on this point, but, but it's fine. We can still have a community. We can still have fellowship. And so I read those verses to say this. You, you ask, what, what are some of the majors? Well, let me, let me share five with you. I would have a hard time with someone that denies the character of God. I would have a hard time doing ministry, okay, with someone that just blatantly denies the character of God, that he's holy, that he's just, that he's loving. For me, that is a major, okay? I would have a hard time doing ministry with, with someone that denies the exclusivity of Christ. Bible says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. I would have a hard time with somebody that denies the sinfulness of man. Like, man, I just don't agree with you. Like, if it, like I think that like as much grace as we offer, there's not a single person in this room or watching that, that is 100% perfect, that's never made a mistake. And if you deny that, then it's like, man, I can still love you. We can still have a conversation, but I'm not really sure that, I, 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 we, can, that we could do ministry together because it's, I think to me that's one of the majors. You know, the sinfulness of man. I would have a hard time doing ministry with someone that denies that faith is the only proper response to the gospel. 
or the inerrancy of scripture that oh there are mistakes in the bible that's just a book of lies it would be really difficult to lead a church um, that way now for everything else and there is a lot of other areas as a pastor i have to understand that i'm not like the only one that has the holy spirit and so when you gave your life to Jesus, the Spirit of God infiltrated your life. And so you may have a different opinion than me on, on any particular topic. You may disagree with me on, on I mean, parenting. I mean, so, I mean, it could be, you know, finances. You could, you could bring in, you know, the economy. Like, you could, you could have so many disagreements with me. And so as a pastor, as, as a Christian, as a Jesus follower, I have to be okay with different perspectives different interpretations not everything is a major okay and so when it comes to this question let's put it on the screen what does god say about abortion i have to understand that there are few issues that we can talk about that are as sensitive as this topic and on my drive here, I was thinking, God, I've never had to deal with this. So, like, how do I bring emotion to this? How do I bring understanding and empathy? Because I'm, I'm, I'm tackling this subject from a very intellectual perspective. But I've never had to, and I don't want to get super graphic, but I've never had to make a decision about that concerns on this topic. Where it involves, you know, somebody, my da- one of my daughters, or where it involves somebody that I'm really close to. And so, please understand that what I'm going to share with you in a few minutes, and, in, and I also know that in a room this size, you know, um, there's all kinds of things that have, may have been done in one's past. And so, I hope that you don't feel condemnation or guilt or anything coming from me. The question, what does God say about abortion? Let me share a couple of thoughts, okay? These are my thoughts. One, the Bible says a lot about life. Lots of verses that I can give you. When it comes to this topic of abortion, there's not a whole lot of verses that specifically address this topic. And when I'm talking about abortion, I'm talking about the deliberate termination of a human pregnancy. There's an obscure verse, Exodus 21, 22. You can look it up sometime where the Bible says you can, if you have two men fighting, okay, they're fist fighting one another, and one of them hits a, accidentally a pregnant woman, and she gives birth prematurely. The Bible says if there's no further injury, like the husband of the lady that, that's pregnant that gave birth prematurely like he can issue a fine to the other guy that hit her if the judges agree but it says if there is further injury watch this if there is further injury the punishment must match the injury a life for a life and that's the verse where we get an eye for an eye you've heard the saying right tooth for tooth right now you fast forward to the New Testament and Jesus echoes this verse and he said you've heard that it's been said eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth but I, and he raises the bar says but I tell you 
love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Now, what, you know, why, why do I share all of this? Here's the, here's, my, here's the point that I'm trying to make. Not a whole lot of verses in the Bible that specifically address this particular issue. Now, when it comes about life, man, tons of verses. And I'll share with you a couple. Um, Psalm 139, verse 13. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed body all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So lots of verses. I could give you so many more verses on life, okay? Now, if you and I were having a conversation, and, and, and I understand that in, in some ways this is just a, a one-way, you know, but if we were just having lunch and we were discussing the, this, this topic, I know that there is, it's like an onion. There's a lot of layers, Okay. And, and time is limited. We're going to extend the conversation. Um, we're going to have a podcast, and uh, it'll, it'll come out sometime this week. And I'm talking to a friend who has a little bit of a different um, opinion than me, and that's perfectly fine. But please know there's a lot of different um, layers to, to this topic. But if we were just having a conversation, one of the, the questions that I would ask, that I think it's, it's a fair question to ask, is this. Are embryos human beings? I think, I think as we wrestle with this issue, I think it's a fair question that, that, we need to, that we need to tackle, that we need to ask. Are embryos human beings? And so I want to illustrate a point that I'm trying to make with, to answer this question. Now, imagine that you're doing the dishes, okay? Just picture for a moment that you're doing the dishes, okay? And you're going to town. You're doing all the dishes, you know, one after the next, and I don't know if you, you know, rinse them first, and then you put them in the dishwasher, and you just grab them, and you're doing all the dishes, right? And all of a sudden, your five-year-old kid comes to you and says, hey, mom, hey, dad, can I kill this? Before you turn around, okay, you're, you're doing the dishes, you're going to town halfway through, your kid, your five-year-old says, hey, mom, hey, dad, can I kill this? Before you turn around, what's the question that you would ask? Well, you would say, what, can I kill this? You would say, before you turn around, you would say, what, what is it? Right? Right? Right, okay. You, are you here? Are you, are we, okay, okay, good. What, what is it? If it's a roach, yes, go ahead, hurry up, kill it, get rid of it, right? If it's a little cute bunny, you'd be like, why do you want to kill a cute little bunny? If it's an infant that your five-year-old has gotten out of the stroller, you say, time out, you need counseling, <laughs> right? Right? The question is, why is it okay to kill one thing and not the other? Two things. One, how you treat something depends on what that thing is. That's why we treat human beings differently than the way you would treat a, a rock or a roach. So how you treat something depends on what that thing is. Josh, um, uh, Sean, excuse me, Sean McDowell, he talks a lot about this, this topic. He says this. He says, if the, un if the unborn is just a mass of tissue, then no justification or abor for abortion is necessary. 
But if the unborn is a member of the human race, then no justification is adequate. Let me, let me read it again. If the unborn is just a mass of tissue, no justification for abortion is necessary. But if, if the unborn is actually a member of the human race, no justification is actually adequate. Now, the question that I'm asking is, so, so what, what do we do with the unborn? Now, for me, and I said this is my personal opinion, okay? But for me, you protect the unborn. That's my, my opinion. You love the unborn. You speak for the unborn. You stand up for the unborn. Now, again, I understand, you know, I feel like I'm in a pressure cooker because there's, there's so I mean, this is, a, this is something that we could talk for forever, and I'm trying to do it in a very short period of time, but please understand that, like, I know that the issues are way more complicated than, than the way I'm, I'm just bringing them to you. But let me see if I can get you to reason with me a little bit more, okay? So ask yourself this question. Why bother about the homeless in our community? Think, think about that for a moment. Why bother about the homeless in our community? Why should we care about orphans? When we do share the love. Why, you know, we go into the community, we do a bunch of stuff, you've seen the videos, and you've, you've been a part of it. Why, why do we um, mow an elderly, a, a person who's an older, elderly, why do we, they, we mow their yard? Ne- next time you're watching TV and you, you see a commercial show up that then you were people trying to raise uh, money for veterans who fought in war, I want you to ask yourself this question. Is that person on that screen... Are they that person who's lost two arms, maybe a leg? Are are they? Do they? Are they valuable? Are they a human? Are they a, a, a valuable human being, or are they are, are they less valuable because he or she is missing some limbs? You know what the Romans used to do with babies who were um, not perfectly like did not look perfect when they were born. The Romans, right before Jesus' time, the Romans had a practice that if a baby was born and they thought that baby was, had some sort of defect, it was not perfectly, like, perfect, according to their standards, they would take those babies and they would put them on a hill and they would just leave them there and to die. And then years later, after Jesus comes and he leaves, a group of crazy people, the Bible says they turned the world upside down, they decided that they were not going to let that happen. And they said that, you know what? We believe that every human being is created in the image of God. And so they, all of a sudden, this group of people said, you know, we don't care how you look. We don't care how old you are and whether you're capable of adding value to society. We don't care if you fought in a war and you've lost both legs and both arms. We only care whether you have been created in the image of God or not. And so our value does not come from the way we look. Our value doesn't, it's it's not like it comes from a place of like, you know, just your outward appearance. It doesn't like, oh, you're a great athlete. You bring, you add a lot of value to society. You know, you're, you're a smart person. You know, you, we're going to keep you. Oh, you're old. You've, you've arrived at an age that you can't add any more value to, to society. So you're not, you know, your worth is any less. Oh, you, you have some sort of physical defect, and so you're not, you're not that good anymore. 
So these Christians basically said, your value comes from your creator, not your appearance. And so as we reason together, and I know I feel the tension, but as we reason together, another good question to ask is, when do you think life begins? Right? It's a, it's a fair question. When do you think life begins? Is it, is it, is a sperm a life? Is, is the egg a life? Is it the fertilized egg that's a life? Is it when the heart begins to beat at 21 days? Is it after the first, second, or third trimester? When does life begin? For me personally, this is my opinion, you know, I don't know that I could give you a, a verse. I mean, there is one, share with me, but for me, it begins at conception, when the egg is fertilized. That's, for me, that's when it begins. But let's just say that, that we don't know when it begins. For just a moment, just picture that with me. Look, what if we didn't know exactly the moment that life begins? Then is it okay to have an abortion? Well, let me kind of answer that question this way. Um, imagine that you're heading out after the service today, or maybe you're, you're at home and you're leaving, you're gonna go get the groceries, and there's, you find um, a body that is unresponsive. You're heading out, and there's this body not moving. And, and you're, you, don't, you, know, you don't know if it's a dead or alive. You don't know if it's breathing. You don't know, like, you have no idea what's going on. You just run out. You know, you're just going out, and you see this, dead, this person, that's un, or this body that's unresponsive, and you don't know if it's dead or alive. What would you do? Would you just go ahead and bury it? No. Right? Most of us, we would get on our knees and even maybe slap their face a little bit, pour some water, try to figure, you know, try to wake him up, shake him up. Like, are you dead? Are you alive? Like, you know, is, is he breathing? Is she breathing? Like, most of us wouldn't just go and just get rid of, up. Oh, guess they're dead. Right? Let me kind of look at it from this perspective. Imagine that, that you're put in charge of blowing up a building. Like, your job is to demolish this old building. Okay, and you're in charge, and you send your crew out, and they strategically place all the dynamites all in the right places, and um, you know the, the, it all comes back to you. You have one button. With that one button, you can you have the power to bring down this whole building. Okay, and your supervisor comes to you and says, and says, "Hey, are we all good? Are we ready?" And it's like, "Yep, we're all good. We're ready." And he says, or she says, "Is everybody out?" And you go, I don't know. I hope so. And you push the button. Would you do that? No, if the answer is I don't know, I hope so, the, the, the proper response is like, hey, let's double check, let's triple check, make sure everybody's out. And so, so again, from my perspective, okay? It's my perspective. My personal, humble opinion, we should protect we should love, we should stand up and speak for the unborn, even if we don't know exactly the moment that life begins, okay? There's a ton more we could cover. We're running out of time. I'm way past my time. 
Um, listen to the podcast this week. There were some really good things said. It's something new we're trying out. So we're like just getting started with the podcast. But um, so it's not, you know, we, there's more improvement to come. But uh, it's at least beginning a conversation, okay? Uh, we're going to tackle one more question. And we'll wrap it up. Last question is this. Um, we'll save politics for next week, okay? Uh, that's, that's good. I don't think we could handle two main subjects on, on the same day. But uh, good question. How can I trust what the Bible says? Okay, it's a fair question. Especially when, you know, it seems like throughout history you've had so many interpretations of, uh, you know, some, so many different beliefs, so many different opinions. And I don't know what your history is, but maybe, maybe you grew up in church and your preacher was like, huge like about like smoking or dancing or playing cards you know and you're like that's a sin that's of the devil and then later on you're like with pastor alex and you're playing cards with him you know or you're like cool if you know we go dancing or whatever and you're like okay which one is it right you know like scripture throughout history has been used to prove different points right like take slavery for example Right? People have taken scripture and they've used scripture to prove that slavery is okay. And so naturally speaking, you're like, okay, so how can I trust what the Bible says? Fair question. I think it's a, it's a good question. So, you know, is it, I mean, is it kind of like an old book? Is it like, is it even applicable? I mean, it was written, out, written so many years ago. I mean, what's, what's the deal? So here's how I want to answer this question. Um, there's a, a clip, it's a short clip, it's not long, um, where um, I've, been wanting, I've been waiting to show you this since November last year. If No lie, if you look on my phone, there's a reminder every two weeks that comes up to show you this video. And I never felt peace about showing it to you, just waiting to show it to you until I finally said, like, oh, now I know why to answer this question, okay? Before I show it to you, it's about the YouVersion app. How many of you are familiar with the YouVersion Bible app? Would you raise your hand? All right, so many of you are. If you don't have it, I want to encourage you, download it. YouVersion Bible app, unbelievable app. It has hundreds of devotionals, and like you can listen to the Bible if you're in the car, you know, going somewhere. You can, you can go through a whole book of the Bible, just, you know, just listening to to it, um, and it's, it's phenomenal. Tons of devotions and all of that. This video that I'm going to show you is basically about the number of people that read the Bible app in one second. Everybody say, one second. One second. All right, so you're going to, and I, I, this is not talking about everybody that has a Bible. This is not talking about, there's other apps, there are good apps, but this is specifically talking about the number of people in the world today that actually read the Bible in one second, okay? Let's, let's play it. So in an average second, we have two new people, two new devices that install the Bible app in an average second, all right? In that same second, someone like Sebastian from Argentina and 227 other people tap on the icon and open the app. In that same second, not a different second, Greya from the Netherlands and 1,178 other people load a chapter of Bible text. In that same second, Jerry from Taiwan and 226 other people start playing a chapter of audio. Gershom from India 
and three other people start a new daily Bible plan. And Lena from Russia and 35 other people finish all of their reading for their Bible plan for that day. Badma from Mongolia and 64 people highlight a passage. Babatunde from Nigeria and 14 people start watching a video. Magid from Egypt adds a prayer and then five other people pray for someone's prayer in that very same second. And Kirill from Ukraine and 10 people share a verse on social media or post it on the messaging app to one of their friends. And in that same second, approximately 135,000 other people are in the middle of doing one of those things that I just mentioned, but they started the second before that, or the second before that, or the second before that. I mean, I can, we can't fit enough pins to show you that on the screen. It's ridiculous. That's what happens in an average second. Just a second. Every second of every day. And so if for just a moment you think that the Bible's not alive, that perhaps it's outdated, that maybe people don't read it anymore, maybe if you think that what you're a part of doesn't matter, maybe the contribution you're making in serving or giving maybe just doesn't have an impact, if that thought or that doubt crosses your mind, even for a second. I want you to remember what God has done and is already doing in that very same second. He's transforming lives all over the world and he's doing it every single second of every single day. I don't even know where to begin. This is how the Word of God changed my life. I'm struggling to find my way through life and my identity. I thought that God had forgotten about me. Sitting on a rack uh, in Fresno County Jail, I uh, decided to pick up a Bible. I needed hope. I needed comfort. I needed rescuing. It spoke to me. It showed me who I was and who I could be. God was changing me. It's completely changed my life, broke those chains of addiction. I have been cut by God's word, and it is sharp. I tell you, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. My whole goals have changed, my motives. There is no substitute for learning God's word. It's that same living word of life that ministers directly to us in whatever circumstance or situation we find ourselves in. I've met God, I've fallen in love with the Bible, and there's really no going back for me. Let's put our hands together, man. That's, I love, I love that. Listen to this. For the Word of God is alive and active. Are you with me today? The Word of God is alive and active. Yeah, let's, let's put our hands together, man. We're not talking about the Word of people. We're talking about the Word of God. It's alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. The word of people may inform us. The word of God transforms us. And so you ask me, man, how can I trust the word of God? It is alive. 
You think that it's less relevant because it was written that, you know, thousands of years ago? You think that there are less people that are reading the Bible? You feel like, man, is anybody even trusting the Bible? Listen, over, watch this, watch this. So this video is from November 2021. I've been saving it. Been saving it for you for almost a year. Don't miss it. When this came out, over half a billion people had downloaded just that one app. And the beauty of it is the best part is that it's reaching every single country, every single territory on earth, including countries like North Korea, like Antarctica, even the International Space Station, which is not even on planet Earth. So people are engaging with God's Word everywhere. So to answer your question, how can I trust the Bible? Trust, right? Trust. Another word for it is faith. If you, um, so I brought my, my TV remote control. And on this remote control, there's a little button. It's a green button. And it's, it's the power button. That button gets pushed thousands of times a month. Okay? I'm sure we will go home today and at some point we'll get on the couch and we'll push the little green, the green button, the, the green power button. I'm sure tomorrow when, when we get home from work, I'm sure that we'll, we'll, uh, we'll grab our food and we'll get in front of the TV and I'll find the remote control and I'll push the little green button. We've had this TV for, I don't know, four years, five years. Not a single time have I ever grabbed the remote control and said, I wonder if you're going to work today. I have doubts. Not a single time have I picked up my remote control and said, man, I just wonder if I... If you're, if you're going to, I wonder, I have some doubts. I wonder if it's going to work. No, every time we grab this thing, I push a button, TV comes on, we enjoy whatever shows we're watching. Prayer, reading God's Word is a little bit like that. When I read God's Word, my faith increases. I may be in the biggest storm of my life when I'm consistent in God's Word. Somehow, I receive peace, supernatural peace that protects my mind. When I read God's Word, I am, I am full of courage, love. I am more patient with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm, I'm able to sympathize with people. I'm able to understand that, man, I, there's a way out of the struggles that I'm dealing with. And so how do I trust God's Word? Well, it takes faith. And if I have faith just to push a little button, why shouldn't I have faith to read God's Word? And I can tell you this from experience. It is the moments when I step away from God's Word. It's the moments when I go through seasons where I'm just kind of doing life on my own. And I'm empty. And I'm discouraged. And I'm down. And I decide, you know what? I'm going to give this thing a try. This thing that I preach week after week after week. 
and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plug myself into the source of wisdom and power and strength. And when I do that, undoubtedly, time and time again, my faith increases. God brings peace to my mind, brings order to my life. So how can I trust God's word when there are so many different interpretations? It's called trust for a reason. If it was easy, anybody could do it. My challenge is, is this to you. Sit down and figure out. Read the Bible for a month, one hour a day. Take 30 minutes in the morning, 30 minutes at night. If in one month, in one month, I challenge you, I dare you. If in one month, God has not spoken to you, God has not given you strength and courage and peace, if in one month of you being consistent, 30 minutes in the morning, 30 minutes at night, your faith has not increased, you come back and you talk to me, okay? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much. These are difficult to uh, topics that we're talking about. I cannot imagine um, having like going through the process of, of having an abortion or walking with somebody who's been through that. I cannot imagine. And I, in so many ways, feel so unworthy to even talk about this topic. So insecure, like not qualified at all. But God, I pray that regardless of the past, God, I pray that, the, that your love would translate the heart of Jesus, God. I pray that your love would infiltrate. I pray that your grace would extend, God. And I know that this is a complicated issue. I know it's an onion, so many layers. We haven't even begun to, to scratch the surface. But God, I pray that we would be a church that's so dedicated to loving you and loving people that these topics are okay to talk about with no guilt, with no shame, but with love, forgiveness, and grace. God, I pray if there's someone here who's having doubt about getting into your word, I pray that they would have a, a little bit of faith, just tiny seed of faith, and they would plant that in the soil of your word and see it grow and see it flourish. God, we thank you for this time. We praise you today in Jesus' name. Amen.